0: Welcome to Employed, a podcast about careers, from minimum wage to six-figure incomes, high school diplomas to PhDs. You'll hear stories from different professionals, their everyday work life, and what it took to get there. Whether you're at a point of having to make a career choice, or you simply like to hear what others are passionate about, Employed is about the workers who make up our nation's economy. I'm Allie, and today we are talking with Jake, a BCBA in San Antonio, Texas, who works with children on the autism spectrum.
1: It really just caught me off guard. That was something that I never anticipated that that would happen, but I'm proud of that kid. He did good that day, so he ended the day well, so.
0: Thank you, Jake, for joining me tonight. Can you introduce yourself just a little bit?
1: Yeah, my name is Jake. I am currently working as a BCBA, so that's a board certified behavior analyst. And I work at an organization that does behavior therapy for kids that have autism. What we do in that is we take a given behavior and we look at what happened before the behavior and what happened after the behavior. And from that observation, we can start to look at why that behavior is occurring. And something that's interesting with that is all behaviors have four, one of four functions. They can give us access to something. They can give us some form of attention they can allow us to escape or avoid something, or they're going to provide some sort of sensory reinforcement. And so anything that we do, we can look at any behavior and identify one of those categories that that behavior will fall in. And so if we look at using hand sanitizer, if someone walks over to the hand sanitizer, pushes it down and uses it, they're doing that to get access to the hand sanitizer. Anytime we are having conversation or if we are at a pool and we yell across the pool that's to get attention or we can start to hypothesize some of those things and then based on those trends that we see based on those observations that's when we can start to look at how to change that behavior So once we know, okay, this person is looking for attention, but they're not doing it appropriately, then we can look at, okay, what appropriate behavior can we give to replace that behavior that's not so appropriate? And so that's day-to-day, that's what we do in ABA is we take behaviors, we break them down, and we analyze why is this behavior happening and then give appropriate alternatives for those behaviors or teach new skills that are appropriate.
0: And I know you have experience as an RBT, a registered behavior technician. So can you give the difference between an RBT and a BCBA?
1: So an RBT's responsibilities are to implement a treatment plan. And so day to day, they're the ones that are, you know, they'll come into work and they'll pull up a, a goal plan for a specific client that has, communication goals, social goals, and then goals to specifically target behaviors for that kiddo. So if the kiddo has a behavior of scratching themselves or injuring themselves in any way, we're going to try to decrease that behavior. In that, an RBT is the one that's working on those goals every day with that client. A BCBA is the one that's going to be writing those goals and doing the assessments for that client and coming up with the interventions to use and the strategies and those types of things. And so the BCBA is the one that's writing all of the goals and treatment plans, and the RBT is the one that's implementing those goals directly with the client. Can
0: you tell me the level of education and experience that was required to get to your position?
1: Yeah, so my position as a BCBA requires a master's level degree, that specializes in applied behavior analysis. And so my master's degree is in psychology, and then it's with a specialization in ABA. And then the the other certifications, there's a lower certification as a registered behavior technician, and that's an entry-level position. So anyone right out of high school can go through a 40-hour training, and then there's a test that you have to pass that's based on that 40-hour training, and then you can become and be certified as a registered behavior technician. So that's a high school level. In between that, there's a bachelor's level board certified assistant behavior analyst, and that's the bachelor's level certification for that.
0: So after getting your your master's degree, I assume you had to take a a board exam or?
1: In that certification process, there's a certain number of hours that you need to satisfy. That's 2,000 hours of supervision. And so that's typically done when you're in your course sequence. Most people are working at that point but there you do need to satisfy those hours and finish that course sequence and then you can sit for the exam and that's a very difficult exam it's not something that you can just walk into and not prepare for those types of things i won't lie it's a difficult exam but the preparation that takes place before then with that two thousand hours of supervision along with the course sequence really helps to prepare for that exam
0: do you need to have experience as an RBT first before being able to enter the master's program?
1: You don't have to be an RBT previously, but it does make it a lot easier in that to just understand the concepts and kind of see some of the things that happen day to day to connect that with some of the textbook terminology and and clinical aspect of it, the research side of things. And so it's definitely beneficial to practice you know, before becoming a BCBA, but it's not required by any means. There's definitely people out there that go through a program and and receive that BCBA credential and work in research or things like that, where they don't have, you know, a a clinical day-to-day practice experience, but they still have satisfied those hours in other ways.
0: And then you said the bachelor's level was the BCABA. Is it generally helpful for people to get their bachelor's degree in something like psychology, or have you seen a wide range of, of bachelor degree backgrounds?
1: The, the bachelor's degree can be in several different fields. It's not, it's more based on the university if they'll accept that degree. My bachelor's degree is in social work. And so it's not something that's directly related to a master's degree in psychology or any specialization in ABA. But I would say the the preferred way to go about it is if you graduate high school and you're looking for a job, you can go through a 40-hour training to become an RBT. And that's something that a lot of organizations will pay for. They'll pay for that training in your first couple weeks with the organization. They'll put you through that RBT training. So fresh out of high school, you could apply for these jobs and you could be in a job that pays anywhere between $15 to $19 an hour right out of high school that a company will pay for. As you're working as an RBT, you can go in that bachelor's level program and receive that course sequence and have an understanding about behavior so that you can become a BCABA and then work as a BCABA while you're in a master's level program becoming a BCBA. So that's kind of the, the preferred route in that. But a lot of people will skip over the BCABA and study something different and then work as an RBT, get a master's level degree and become a BCBA that way. So
0: there's a, a few different routes you can go to get there. What are the demographics of your field as far as gender and age go? What do you typically see with your coworkers?
1: Our field is predominantly female. It's around 80% female, and so it's predominantly female. But there are more males entering the field, but it's definitely predominantly female. I'd say definitely younger. That's you know, I'm I'm probably very average in in age. There, I'd say most employees are between 20 and 30. But you know, the BCBAs are or professionals in the field that have been at the company for longer. They're a little bit older, but not. I mean, 30s, 30, 30 to 50.
0: What range of salary can someone typically expect to make as a BCBA with your numbers of years in the field?
1: The BCBA starting out will make anywhere between 50000 and 70000 a year. That's kind of the range for that. And it definitely depends on your experience having a BCBA that's new that previously worked as an RBT. That might be something that would increase that starting out as a BCBA. And so if you have experience previously working as an RBT, that would definitely help. I mean of course along with years at the company and things like that.
0: Do you see any benefits to working in your particular field
1: in the aspect of understanding behavior in depth is something that translates into my life every day and it's something that we can analyze any behavior and generate behavior change based on that. So it's not not something that will affect how many vacations I can take but you know looking at all the different behaviors that Anybody has every day being able to look at some of those things and generate positive change with that, whether it's myself, my family, my friends, anyone that is interested in that. Do
0: you encounter people every day and being able to understand that aspect of them? That would be very helpful. Yeah. How is your progress measured and who are you managed by?
1: So, as a BCBA, we use applied behavior analysis. So, that's the therapy that we provide to our clients. And in that, we are evidence-based. And so any of the strategies that we use, we're constantly collecting data on that. Progress is measured by collecting that data and analyzing the behaviors associated with that. So if we are looking to increase a behavior, we're going to be analyzing to see if there is an increase in that behavior, if it's decreasing or what's going on with that, and then adapt and make any changes that we need to accommodate that. And that's with our clients. On the work side of things, Going back to we work in behavior analysis. And so looking at staff and supervising and and those types of things, we're doing the same things for us. So we're constantly writing goals in our annual evaluations. And we have checkups to monitor those goals and things like that. So whether it's progress with the clients that's data-based or progress with the employees and supervisees and supervisors, those types of things, it's all data-based and and goal-oriented. I'm supervised by, we have a lead BCBA and then we also have a clinical director who oversees all of our rehabilitative services. So we also have speech therapy and occupational therapy along with our behavior therapy that we do. And so the director of all of those services, she oversees everything. And then I have a direct supervisor as a lead BCBA. And then I supervise RBTs. That's kind of the hierarchy there.
0: What are your typical work hours?
1: So, our work hours are we work a typical 40 hour work week, at least at my organization. That can fluctuate, but at my organization, it's a typical 40 hour work week. I'm mostly in the clinic setting. And so that's with clients or with staff, just around the office. But we do go in and home as well. And so there are those times that we'll go have a supervision session in the home where the RBT is working with the client or family in the home, those types of things. But the majority of the time, we're in the clinic.
0: Usually Monday through Friday, daytime only? Yeah,
1: typically it's Monday through Friday, 40-hour work week.
0: Can you walk me through an average day at your office from the time you arrive to the time you leave? Coming into
1: work, you know, we get there a few minutes before the kiddos, typically 15 minutes, kind of get our, our room situated for the day, Any toys or puzzles or games that we want to work on or use with our clients. And then the day starts as a BCBA. When I go in with kiddos and RBT is in there working with them, typically I'm not working directly with the kiddos. So I'm supervising the RBT or looking at the treatment plan for that client. And so in those observations, we're looking at, you know, what the client's goals are, what they're working on. The typical goals that we're working on or looking at are Communication skills, and that can be a wide range of things. So that might be one of our clients asking for juice by pointing to it, or a different client working on that same thing, but requesting that verbally. And so we look at all of the different goal areas, communication skills, social skills, and how we can incorporate activities so that we can work on those goals. And so looking at those observations, we'll we'll do those throughout the day. And then when we're not in an observation, we're typically talking to someone, a coworker or a parent or the RBT about a client. I mean, my entire day is spent talking or thinking about clients. I love that aspect of my job, but it, it's also busy. I mean, there's always something, there's new behaviors or there's reoccurring behaviors that are happening. And so that's, it's never the same thing on different days. It's it's always something new. And so there are times that we'll work directly with a client that's currently what my typical day looks like is I'll have a couple observations in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I'll see a client for a couple hours directly. And I'll be the one that's implementing those goals and working on those things. And so we do have that. That is something that a lot of organizations do. But there are organizations that BCBAs don't work directly with clients. And so that's just something you know to look into and a personal preference in that. But After finishing with clients, you know, it's either the end of day or we'll work on some documentation, writing notes, collecting data, those types of things. And then that's the end of the day.
0: And how long typically are your sessions with your clients and how many clients do you generally see per day?
1: At our organization, we'll have a client in the morning from 9 to 11 or 9 to 12. And then we'll have another from 12 to 2 and then we have a third set of clients from 3.30 to 5.30. So that's the schedule at our organization. So you'll see at most three kiddos in a day. That can change so much depending on the organization that you're with. So at my organization, that is how it functions, but there's other organizations that you'll see one kiddo for four hours in the morning and then you know, another kiddo for four hours in the afternoon, that type of thing. And so it can really fluctuate in the session length and kind of the structure of that, depending on the organization that you're with.
0: And you kind of talked a little bit about the setting. Can you describe what the room looks like? I'm imagining like a, a big playroom with toys everywhere, but maybe that's incorrect. Yeah. Is that okay?
1: Yeah. For a lot of our kiddos, that's how it is. I mean, for, for our younger kiddos, that, that's a lot of typically what they would be doing would be playing and interacting with books and things like that. That's exactly what those rooms look like. Or it's filled with toys and we play with toys all day. That's, you know, for some of our other kiddos who are a little bit older, we'll do a lot of games. And so we'll we'll use games to teach social skills and, and communication skills and things like that. And so, I mean, I, I remember when I first started as an RBT, that was a comment that I made to my mom was, I can't believe that I'm getting paid $15 an hour to play Uno. I feel like it's a dream job and I get to go and hang out with kids all day and, and play games and things like that. But at the same time, we're generating very positive change in, in their lives and their families. So,
0: You work with children primarily with autism. And what's the age range?
1: So our youngest kiddo is is two and then we have kiddos all the way into their 20s. And so the majority of our kiddos are 12 and under That's probably two to 12 is is the largest majority of our kiddos, but we do have teenage clients that we work with, some adult clients that we work with, things like that, and so it can range a lot depending on where you're at.
0: How often do you interact with coworkers, clients, family members versus how often are you working by yourself?
1: I love that question. Myself, I'm very extroverted, and so my day-to-day, I'm always talking to someone, or I'm I feel like I'm always in conversation and that can be with, with coworkers, supervisors, parents, clients. I feel like I'm just always interacting with people as a BCBA though, that, that can vary. I mean, that's something that I think part of that is my personal preference and I like to be around people. I like to be talking to people and getting to know people. We do have BCBAs that are a little bit more introverted and will just be in their office more, you know, doing documentation or things like that. And so there is a little, a little bit of variability, even as a clinical BCBA, but you know, in the school setting that might look different. Or if you're doing something with sports nutrition or substance abuse, those types of things. I don't know enough about those career fields to say how, how much communication there is face-to-face and those types of things, but it does vary a lot with the different career paths as a BCBA.
0: And you just listed off a few other fields that I had no idea BCBAs could work in. Are there there others You, you mentioned, school settings? There's
1: a lot of areas that BCBAs work in. So some of the ones that are more common would be like a clinical BCBA, the type of thing that I do working with kids that have autism in the clinic or home setting as a supervisor, those types of things. That's one of the most common jobs that a BCBA will fill. Another common one would be in the education system in providing kind of some of that oversight for special education classes and those types of things. But as a BCBA, there are so many opportunities out there in working with gerontology or pediatrics on the behavioral side of things. But then looking at substance abuse and child maltreatment, abuse, those those career paths but then you can look at health and fitness or sports or organizational behavioral management which is looking at helping corporations change the behavior of their employees i mean even in animals we look at behavior and so any behavior change or behavior analysis there's there's opportunity for that as a bcba
0: what is the best day that you've had at your job or a time that you remember as feeling just really happy and satisfied and just knowing that you picked the right field?
1: When I was first starting as an RBT going through that training, I think one of the things that made me fall in love with ABA and and what I do is I was trying to understand a a certain concept in my training and I was asked to come up with an example. And so I identified a situation, I was in the backyard with my two-year-old at the time and our dog. And my son kept throwing rocks at the dog. And I was trying to understand why that was happening. And, you know, that was the example that I gave. We broke that down on what happened before, during and after the behavior and why he was doing that. And I had always thought that he was throwing rocks at the dog because he wanted to play with the dog. He wanted the dog to chase after him or bark or anything like that. But once we started to analyze it, it became very clear that my son was throwing rocks at the dog to get my attention. Every time he would throw a rock at the dog, I would tell him no, or I would call him over, things like that. And so, you know, in breaking that down, we identified that he was throwing rocks at the dog to get my attention. And then it was, you know, a matter of two or three days spending five to 10 minutes in the backyard that he completely stopped throwing rocks at the dog. And it was as simple as just giving him attention every few seconds and then kind of thinning that out to a couple minutes and, and going from there. But I mean, it was something to to identify, a behavior that's personal and I have a connection with that and those types of things and to see so quickly that behavior change just by observation and, and implementing strategies was it blew my mind I mean because obviously as a dad of a two-year-old I wasn't fully ready to deal with all of the behaviors that come with a two-year-old and so it was it was a really great learning opportunity just, it made me fall in love with it I love that it's data-based I love that it's observation and it generates true change so
0: What is kind of a tough or challenging day you've had at work or what is a challenge that you often face repeatedly at your job?
1: You know, going into the field, I I didn't know, you know, some of the challenges or struggles that RBTs or BCBAs face. And I think it's important to understand those things that in our day-to-day, there are challenging days. There are really challenging sessions where on one end we do have kiddos that are aggressive and so that is a reality of working in this field of being able to learn the techniques and receive that training to be able to navigate through some of those behaviors and so that's that's a difficult aspect of it but then there's also things of we work on all behaviors and so you know working on toilet training with older kiddos that might not be something that we're comfortable with or used to but it all does go back to training it's something that even not being familiar with those things or fully comfortable with those things just because I didn't know about them fully wasn't something that, that pushed me away or, or made me hesitate in this career path because of that training. It's something that there is that oversight, there is that support, there is adequate training in those types of things. And so even though I wasn't fully aware of some of those things and those things can be difficult, I've never had a time where I don't feel like I'm supported in that or I don't feel like I know what I should be doing in those situations it's a helping field. And so whether that's we're helping clients or helping each other, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're there for. So,
0: What's kind of a fun story or just a a neat, unique experience that you've had at work?
1: I would say the... The strangest thing that's happened at work or the most unexpected, I'll put it that way, is I was in a home session and we were working on on a certain behavior and there was some frustration there and the kiddo didn't want to complete the task that was assigned. And his family was there, his mom and his grandma were there and, and they started you know, giving some responses and this kiddo just kept getting frustrated and frustrated and he's not an aggressive kiddo, but he talks about being aggressive a lot. He'll he'll give threats sometimes. And so we were sitting there and he went out to the garage and we were kind of wondering what he was doing. And then he walked back in with a hatchet. It was one of those moments where I was caught off guard. I didn't fully know what to do in that situation. That's not something that we receive training on is what happens if someone brings a hatchet into the session. But at the same time, it was something that we all knew that that there wasn't going to be any any aggression towards anyone else in that. You know, he said that he was going to break his Xbox and the TV and things like that, but it really just caught me off guard. That was something that I never anticipated that that would happen, but the family worked through it really well, and we ended the day happy, and, I mean, it was just one of the behaviors that we worked through, and so that's something, you know, we can't always anticipate what happens, but I'm proud of that kid. He did good that day. You know, he ended the day well, so
0: how did how did you guys work through that what what do you say to to de-escalate that situation or what did the family do or was this something that they encounter Um, on the daily
1: the the threats and those types of things are pretty or were pretty routine at the time that I was working with them and so I mean it wasn't something that you know of course we took it serious because of the situation but You know just talking him down from that taking a break from the task those types of things but also just explaining to him because he he had a lot of verbal communication and so being able to explain you know this isn't going to get you anything that you're looking for there's better ways to go about it and those types of things and so he kind of recognized that and completed the task that was originally assigned and had a good day
0: oh my goodness (laughs) well that is exciting what is the end goal for somebody in your position? What is the end goal for a BCBA? Are there certain positions that you're trying to work up towards or end your career in?
1: As a BCBA, if if you're looking at being a clinical BCBA kind of in the position that I'm in currently, a director position or a director of rehabilitative services, that would be, you know, that's the highest at our company that someone would get. And so in my position, I could be promoted to a lead BCBA position and then promoted to that director position. But in other companies, a director position can be kind of the highest that you go. But a lot of BCBAs will look at teaching or expanding in, you know, going into research or those types of things that do require experience in the field, but aren't directly tied to being a clinical BCBA being a BCBA for a year or two you can apply for director positions and be considered for those positions but it really depends on kind of how that organization is structured because there's also a lot of you know BCBAs that will start their own practice and then you know hire out accordingly and so you know you might be able to find director positions with a year or two of experience in a smaller company or things like that but the demand for BCBAs is is endless. I mean, the job security currently as a BCBA is phenomenal. And so there's, there's such a need, especially in San Antonio, but across the country because, I mean, autism rates are continuing to rise. And so there's more and more need for BCBAs.
0: How did you hear about BCBAs or RBTs? Did you always know that this is something you wanted to do or, or what kind of sparked your interest?
1: I did not. I I actually was looking more at physical therapy, and that was something that, you know, in, in studying some of those courses, I I took a social work class and got interested in that. And in that social work program, I had to do an internship. And so I was looking for a place to do an internship, and a family friend let me know about behavior keys And that was just an opportunity for that. And so as my internship or as part of that internship, I did the 40-hour RBT training. And then once I finished and graduated, then I applied for a job as an RBT and kind of started there. But even at that point, I didn't fully understand what a BCBA was. I wasn't super interested in that other than, you know, an RBT was a a great paying job and, you know, something that I was looking for at the time. And so as I worked there and kind of learned more about being a BCBA, it took all of the aspects of psychology that I loved in the way that we think and kind of how all of those things influence our behaviors and our interactions and all of those things. And then learning about the behavior side of it, and we take everything observable, it's exactly what I want to do. And so I knew what I wanted to do in my career. I just didn't know that it was called being a BCBA.
0: If you could be doing anything else for a living and money, education, they were not factors, what would you be doing?
1: I'd be playing alongside LeBron James in the NBA playoffs right now. But I knew that, that that was not gonna happen a long time ago. Yeah, that was, that was always my childhood dream, but it didn't work out. Then I found my dream job. Being a BCBA is, is truly my dream job, so.
0: What other information did I not hit on that you think is important for people to know?
1: If there is anyone that's interested in, and in, you know, if they're looking for a contact or anything, they can definitely reach out. I'll, I'll leave my email. And I'd love to give any information that I can or help in that process.
0: Thank you to Jake for donating his time to the show. For anyone looking to reach out to Jake, his email address is listed in the podcast description. If you or someone you know is interested in becoming a future guest, please email employedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.